I got into acting to explore, to be free to express myself in any way that I, I, I that came to mind. I saw the frustration of people who, mentors of mine that go, I can't speak or I will lose my job. My friends, my old roommates had to move out of LA because they're like, we're not casting white guys, sorry. And you're like, wait, that's that's some racist stuff. I stopped getting you know auditions and work opportunities. When my industry started a bail fund for people who were destroying places like Seattle, Baltimore, New York, and Chicago, where I'm from, that's when it made it harder for me to be quiet anymore. We as actors and people in this industry, we work hard to just be seen, get the right agent, and then possibly get in for two lines of like, these pretzels are making me thirsty. And now the parameters they put on side ask you to compromise what is right and true and good in this country. No, what establishes this country? No. They're selling the product, but what this product is doing, it is destroying us. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a true and genuine thought leader, a man who is an incredible actor, but also a man who's a philosopher of freedom. This is a man who has put it out all on the line to stand up against the forces of tyranny, even when it has been at a deep personal cost to himself. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Siaka Masakwa. Welcome to the show, Siaka. Nikki, man, I need you to announce every time I do any event, man. That was, wow, that was next. That was some next level stuff. Thank you, thank you for having me on your show. I'm happy we finally able to get this put together, and, and I'm excited to just chat it out and, and be able to share with your audience, you know, the, whatever I can give them. God bless you, brother. I'm excited to have you here, and you bet. I'm known as the Bruce Buffer of the podcast announcing business, brother. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's so great. We need more of that. We need more energy. We need more excitement in what we're doing. I mean, we're in this fight, and it can be a lot, and it can be heavy. But we can't forget the joy that God gave us in order to live. And I think bringing that more into the space is going to help us in this fight so much more. So I appreciate the energy, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, brother. Let's go. Yeah. Well, listen, man. <laughs> Folks come to this show not because of me, because I'm here every week. They come here because of you. They want to learn from you. The people that are listening to this show, mm -hmm. they tend to be entrepreneurs. They tend to be freedom lovers. And yeah. they're looking for inspiration. They're looking for new new ways of doing things, tips, mm -hmm. strategies, but they're also looking for somebody who's going to tell their story in a real way that they can believe in because that belief is going to pump them up to go out and do yeah. what they need to do in their lives. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Siaka Massaqua? Well, uh, I'll let you use the word great. Um, I, think, I think for me, it was, uh, you know, a lot of it is uh, – Always growing up, I grew up in, in North Shore, Chicago, very liberal area about like you can be whatever you want, and fight the power and fight for right and truth. And, and I always like to tell people, 
what they taught us in the 90s worked. Um, you know, the multicultural, uh, um, you know, Stanford truth worked. It's when they started to shift what truth was became a problem because I am I go hard in things I believe in. And I do believe in fairness. and I do believe in justice. I do believe in American system overall. Man is the stuff that is what can be corrupted. But the organization of our system is one of the, if not the most perfect one we've ever existed here on the planet. So, you know, I grew up in this in this mindset of always kind of um, I can be whatever I want. But the, the one thing that was always tough was there was always an underlining message of what black could be or couldn't be, though, too. So it was, a, it was I grew up with this with this kind of this fight of, well, your skin color is who you are. But then America says you're American. So that's a whole different thing, too. Um, you know, time went by and I went to college. I was fortunate enough to play uh, college football at the University of Iowa. And that was my first time away from home. Yeah, it was it was it was a cool experience. Um, I, I, that's when I did get caught up in a lot of uh, the vices that, you know, take men down, alcohol and whatever. Um, and, and I, you know, I was so caught up in that in those addictions that like I, I sacrificed my school and I sacrificed football for that. Uh, I moved out to Los Angeles because I did find I did find acting in theater in, in college and that I fell in love with the uh, process. Everything else I used to do, I didn't enjoy the process. You know, I was just like, oh, I, I'm good enough to get it done. But the process of reading the book for the class or the practice, even for practice, <laughs> like even as a running back, I'm like, I got to go out to practice again. Just I would just want to play the game, you know. But in acting, it was the first time the preparation was just as exciting as the end result. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do for my life. I moved out to L.A. in 04. And when you move out away from home, but you still have those vices, they don't go away. They get they get more and more intense. And that's what happened. Um, and as it got more intense, the women disappeared because when you are a hopeless drunk that like I was, you destroy, you're pretty much the Tasmanian devil in relationships. You just come in and, and then throw everything away and then you leave crying, thinking that it was their fault. And so, um, you know, for me, it was it was one of those uh, points that eventually, and I had like, you know, a little bit of success here and there as an actor, but ultimately I couldn't have full success because I was still had this thing that was holding me back. And in uh, 20 in 2013 was my first attempt at sobriety. I was able to do it for about uh, 19 months and fell off, you know, fell off the wagon again. And, and lucky enough though, this time around I had, as they say, a belly full of alcohol, but a head full of, of AA. And so it wasn't as fun as it was before. I also had some really great people around me that I've been working with for five months before this or for almost a year, sorry, a year before this. So when I did fall, not only did I have great godly people around me to help catch me, but now I could hear what they were saying because before it was, oh, it was bad luck and you don't know and I'll show you when I'm successful that I could still be this type of person, right? But missing missing the fact that it was that issue that got in the way of me ever being that type of person or ever being successful. And so these great people that I worked with, um, you know, they had conversations with me and they talked to me and, and we uh, made a decision back in uh, March 15th of 2016 to go back into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and, 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 and programming. And I've been sober, thank God willing, I've been sober from alcohol ever since. And that, day and I'll go back to the people that were beautiful in my life. The wife, as part of the husband and wife that, that really helped me, the wife, her father died of that disease. And so wow. now moving forward, the 15th of every month, 
Nikki, not just March when that's my celebration of it, but every month she reaches out to me to congratulate me for making it one more month. And at this point, it's been about seven years of this. So this person showed me they worked, they worked, they showed me God working consistently enough to that. It's still, every time I talk about it, it just, it warms my heart. I try not to cry about it because it's really impactful what it's done for me. Now, you know, that with that, and you have uh, uh, 2016 hits and I am, uh, I'm getting my life back together. Uh, the Lord has put me in a, in a great space for that when it comes to program. My acting is starting to, to gain uh, ground again. It's not just hit or misses. I, I, I'm going out to uh, uh, National Black Theater Festival to do uh, to do this play called uh, Dutchman. And that day I'm there. <laughs> the first day we get there was the was the night of the presidential camp of uh, the uh, debate for the Republican debate, the first one that Trump and all those guys got on. And I sat there. I was like, oh, let's see what happens. But one thing that was getting me and being in an industry out here, the entertainment industry, I saw the way the media was already framing Trump's run before that. And I'm like, they were making it sound like he's going to lose. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Just let it be. Right. I sat there and I watched this guy decimate the old world politics of political class. And I was just watching this going <laughs> at the very least, this is going to be enjoyable. But then he said something that. It blew my mind, and it and and you started out by you know people wanting to be inspired by those who are in the fight, and I think one of the biggest things we can do is be given permission to fight and to stand up. And that when he said this, he goes, they were they brought up uh, the uh, you know the, the the rise of medical care in this country, healthcare in this country, and he said something very simple. He go, everyone's talking about we can't do Medicare for all because that's socialism, and then they're like, well, we don't really have an idea yet, and he's like, yo. It's simple. Put it on the open market. Let the market decide. And I was like, uh oh, real solutions. He's going to get killed. They're going to kill this guy. Right. That's what I thought, because you never hear them talk about real solutions. You always hear them talk from their space, their talking point, whether it's right or left. And when he said that, I go, he's somebody I'm just going to listen to now because he's talking about real solutions. Then moving forward, I watched how my career was getting better, but I watched how people in my industry here were losing their mind because this person was in office. I'm like, ah, it's, it became harder and harder for me to buy into that world. Um, I saw the frustration of people who mentors of mine that go, I can't speak or I will lose my job. And I knew how hard it was for me just to get to a place where I could be working consistently as an actor. Now you're telling me I got into acting to explore, to be free, to express myself in any way that I, I, I that came to mind. And that's what I was taught in college and uh, taught at the schools out here in L.A. But except for this one thing now became a, a taboo subject you don't touch. Now they're getting to the space that I was raised thinking that's what Republicans and conservatives were. Oh, you don't talk about this. You don't talk about that. But it's happening on the side that's supposed to be about everything. And so it started watching people literally lose their mind over this guy being president, over our country really doing well over the opportunity this I've had family members who have been in business and no one inspired me enough to to start my own business until he ran until he became president and I'm just like wow so much permission was given in this one situation then of course we get to uh 2020 and 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 uh that that weekend was actually is wow March 15th of 2020 was when we shut down that was supposed to be the opening of a new play I was doing out here in LA and they and it shut down there, and it really kind of told me something. Um, I was, I, it just hit me as, wow, we're going to be in some real trouble right now. So that, but that hit 
and no one wanted wanted to talk about everything. They only want to talk about the, the message that was sold to us. No one want to talk about be with each other, go outside for sun. Exercise is the best way to fight fight these issues. They only wanted to isolate it into a certain certain type of way to move. And if you don't do that, you're somehow anti everything that exists. And then you have permission to be ostracized based on those things and harassed based on those things. It, it, it right off the bat was like, this is not America. I don't know what's going on, but this is not America. I started going to uh, I'm having an argument with my roommate at the time, best friend. And we're uh, I'm like, mom, I've seen the videos. Tim Pool, people are being active. They're getting out in the street. They're waving flags. And he's like, no, I'm watching Alex Jones. We're, we're going down, you know, and, and we're arguing back and forth on that. And then the next day he comes to me with a flyer for a recall of Newsom, a recall event down in Long Beach. He say, hey, man, you want to go check this out? I go, yeah, let's go. So we go there. We meet some great people. I got on the microphone for the first time talking about all the stuff Newsom is doing. Got me excited. Then the next week we went to Huntington Beach and I was first time I got to debate in front of a BLMers, you know, and kind of be like, this is crazy. How come you guys don't come out when we're killing each other like this? And we're going back and forth. Then the following week we go to, it's in June, we go to the Trump rallies that were here in uh, Beverly Hills. And uh, the first one we went to, it was maybe, maybe about a hundred, maybe a hundred people. I'm saying, I'm saying that generously, right? And <laughs> we're, we're I'm, I'm meeting people walking around. There was MAGA Hulk was there. And then we start marching down Rodeo Drive. And we're marching and we're going and people are kind of looking over and some people start laughing and some people start heckling. And the majority of people that were heckling were people standing in line of these stores. I don't know if most people have been to Beverly Hills, but they had these high end stores, most of them European stores that have and people stand in line one in one out type stuff, especially after or during COVID. And I'm walking down the street and as I see the people there, they happen to be more, I would say, black inner city folks lined up to spend their money at these European stores yelling at us saying that we're 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 crazy or we're anti this or anti that. I'm like. Then I start going off. I go, you're laughing. We're killing our more of our babies than any other community. Our education is crap. Our families are are in the in the crap in the crapper. But you want to spend money over here at these European stores? Yeah, that's going to really help us. Keep keep laughing and keep doing it. And I just start getting worked up. We get down. We come back to the uh, to the park where we were. I'm just kind of shaking. And I go up to this one lady. Is this uh, white Jewish lady? She's holding the sign to open the schools. And I asked her, I go, hey, you know, what are you doing here? I'm recording this video. And she looked at me. She's like, I'm here because my kids, she had five. She has five kids. Her kids, she goes, I have enough money to take care of them. They can have tutors. I'm here because those kids in those poor neighborhoods, they're losing out right now, not being open, their school not being open. And she almost, she starts crying. And it hit me. That's America. That's Americans right there who care about each other, regardless of socioeconomic or look. She's standing out here with a ring on her finger that could take care of my life for a year easily and all my bills, holding a sign saying open the schools for those kids. And I'm like, no one can tell me anything now about these people because, they, you know, the media and everything has sold conservatism, freedom, Republican, all this stuff as these haters of individuals. That couldn't be further from the truth. That got me more involved. Then it became a party where we were coming every weekend from June on up to the election every Saturday, we're going to the Beverly Hills rally. The first couple months, yeah, we had a couple of Antifa and ish, then things broke off. But after about August, their energy, they left and this thing started growing 
where people were bringing in, they had vendors there with t-shirts that people giving out free hot dogs and popcorn. The weekend before the election, there was a live plane flying overhead, uh, you know, a plane flying overhead set Trump, uh, Vietnamese for Trump, a live band, Dennis Prager's dancing over there with the Israelis doing their dance in the street. <laughs> <laughs> literally in the street of Santa Monica Boulevard is blocked off. We have different groups that are doing dance circles where everyone's just dancing with their own speakers. It was, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, this is America. This is so beautiful. People came out in the super blue LA slash Beverly Hills and they, they're expressing themselves. I had actors come up to me who were still too afraid to show their face or so had their mask on and they come over to me and go, Hey, I'm an actor too. Thank you for standing up, man. I wouldn't have came out here. I saw your videos. Thank you. Boom. And then they go back away, you know, and I'm just sitting there kind of thinking, man, if everyone took their mask off in here and in life, we wouldn't be afraid to stand up for what we need to, but you know, that's beside the point. And um, yeah, man. And, and that's, and I started going to DC a couple of times. First time I went to was, was the Blexit event that, that Candace Owens put on. And that was the first, group of people that Trump spoke in front of after he had COVID. It was a, a group of black and brown people, the most racist president in the world, right? So all these things were happening. I was being, right? I was being active in, in, in this movement. And, um, you know, I, I went there on January 6th as well. Um, I saw nothing but peaceful that was going on. I saw, actually, uh, the only thing that I did see were I did see men. There's something that most men will be able to relate to. I did see men standing behind other men grabbing them and yelling, let's go, and trying to push them forward. That was like later on, and I'm thinking, that's not that's not what men do. The men go, look, I'm going, who's coming with me? Well, this guy was trying to push, these couple people were trying to push other people, so I noticed that. But mostly, again, most of it was completely fine, and I never forget walking away, and, and I'm walking down from the Capitol, and, and I'm, I laugh because I look over, and I see cars that hadn't been touched, and I start laughing. I'm like, you know what's funny? None of the cars have been burnt and destroyed. And the guys walk, people walk with me, start laughing. Like, oh, I know, right? Like, that's not what we do. And this, that, and the other, as opposed to the BLM riots, the summer of love that destroyed so many homes. And I learned when they let, when my industry and people, high level people in the industry started a, a, a bail fund for people who were destroying places like Seattle, uh, places like uh, uh, Baltimore, New York and Chicago, where I'm from, that's when it made it harder for me to be quiet anymore because they were bailing these people out. My mom at the time lived on the south side of Chicago. She was right around the corner from where a six month old was shot in the stroller walking down the street, middle of the day. That's my seven year old mom living there. These people, these 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 criminals, these animals were killing everybody and destroying everything. It didn't matter about skin color. Because majority of people that were killed in the summer of love in Chicago were all black, by blacks. So I saw my industry do that, and I was like, I can't be quiet anymore. And I started just getting louder and louder. I lost my agent. I lost my manager of uh, six years. I stopped getting you know auditions and work opportunities because, uh, yeah, I was a Trump supporter who was you know super loud and vocal, and and it, it, it I, like I didn't know what the future held. I knew that. In doing so, my the career that I worked for was going to be different. I wasn't going to have the access to sustain myself in that same way that, as I did before. But I just knew there was something bigger. There was just something bigger than than you know being able to be able to audition for a Coca Cola commercial and just do that. 
you know, and I've sat there in these rooms and I sat there in Zooms with these actors who, who speak, you know, uh, they speak about standing up for what's right and they speak about putting it on the line, but they never really do it. They never w- really will because this industry is an industry of fear and you better yeah. told the line or you're never going to work again. And there's got to be something bigger and greater than that, you know, as we, as we go through this whole, as we go through life, it's got to be bigger than just you know, my ability to work based on that. So yeah, and that's 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 what I've been getting in. In 2021, I was like doing speeches around Southern Cal and talking about people run for local office, and people started hitting me up saying, "Hey, you inspired me to run," and yeah, and then people started asking, "Are you going to run?" And then I had that whole point. It's like, how can I say tell other people to do something and I'm not willing to do it? And so in 2022, I decided to run for uh, a state assembly here. Uh, the woman I just met, I met at the time, who now is my wife and, and pregnant with our with our first child. She was my fiance at the time. Uh, thank you, my friend. And 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 she came on board. And she's a fighter, ready to go. And and we ran for office and learned a lot. <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes, but we learned a lot. And um, which then ended me getting voted in as vice chair of LAGOP of the whole uh, county party. And learning even more there, and been in the fight from both an entertainment standpoint and a, a political standpoint still, because I do believe we have to merge both points, um, much like what the left does. They make them their side seem fun and 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 you know something that everyone should want to aspire. And and I, and I believe that our side, the freedom message, has just not had the best marketing. That's really what it is. It's not that the ideas are worse; it's the marketing sucks. So I've been working on both. Getting a political world working and getting an entertainment world of the conservative, entertainment, freedom loving individuals out there to, you know, be able to uh, express themselves and express what it really means to be here in this country and being free and loving. Damn, man. That's a monologue. That's a monologue. We're going 20 minutes. I'm going to wait for some questions here. So, um, I'm uh, buddies with Wayne Allen Root, and he and I have co-written yeah. a couple of books together. So this was our first one in 2021. It's called The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book. It's a list of 116 uh, uh, woke companies to boycott. And then wow. we wrote The Great Patriot Boycott Book, and it was endorsed, if you can see that, by President Donald J. Trump on Truth wow. Social. Wow. Damn straight. So, wow, um, that's awesome, brother. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So Wayne and I did that, and we're going to be – we're writing another book together, which we've act- I actually wrote it. It's a novel, and i got to make some changes because Wayne wants a few changes, and we're going to – it's going to come out next year. But I tell you something, man. What you're doing is amazing. How I got to know about you is I saw your stuff on IG, but yeah. I also watched your – your uh, piece on PragerU. You did a big mm. piece on PragerU, and that got a lot of views. A lot of people yeah. said that. So can you talk about that PragerU video? What got you to do it, and why did it go so damn viral? Well, first of all, so it's great that you brought that up. So remember that lady that I told you, the, first, the lady I ran into at the first Beverly Hills rally who was emotional yeah. about those kids? So yeah. she was actually really good friends with uh, the CEO of PragerU. And she liked what I was about and what I was saying. And she goes, hey, do you want me to connect you with them? I go, sure. So I get connected. Yeah, it's like, you know, I always tell people, you know, just walk it out your front door. You never know what's going to happen. So just do it. 
right? Showing up is like the first, it's, it's the biggest hurdle we can, we can uh, go past. And so, and so we had, uh, I went there and Marissa Street was amazing. She's amazing. And the whole crew was amazing. And they wanted to like, hey, let's do this idea. Like, what do you want to talk about? And I go, I want to talk about the fear in Hollywood and the ultimate racism that is truly in Hollywood. You know, I've heard people say, well, you can't cast certain types of people anymore. I've heard my, my friends, my old roommates had to move out of L.A. because they're like, we're not casting white guys. Sorry. And you're like, wait, that's that's some racist stuff. Like, what do we what? You guys are the anti-racist? Like, how do how is this just an OK, shrug it off, and move forward type of thing? And so in that video, I was just pointing out facts that I had to deal with where, where it's, hey, you play the criminal. And I'm like. I mean, as an actor, I can act anything, but when you're coming into these rooms, there's certain energies and auras that you give off that go, okay, this is the type of person you're going to use, or, or you're going to be in this character, that character. But my early agents and managers really pushed me to wanting to play the thug character. And I'm like, that's not, that's not really me. Um, you saw, you saw the way certain casting was going where they, they, for example, they didn't even want, before I moved out here, they didn't want to have like a black person kiss a white woman on the screen. And this was just happening within the industry. That wasn't happening because some Klansman somewhere was doing something. It wasn't <laughs> happening. You know, somebody out of Alabama that they always teach us is a certain way was in, the, in the, you know was inundating Hollywood with the way it's supposed to go. No, it was happening because the people running Hollywood were the ones in charge of who gets in front of the screens and who doesn't. So um, I, I wanted to point this thing out. Then also point out the hypocrisy of like I, I did mention someone like Oprah and someone like Jordan Peele who literally for the country they want to scream and, and, and belittle have made their wealth based off this country and based off the system of freedom they have. This country was what re they really thought, like i.e. Uh, um, South Africa in the 80s. Maybe, maybe you have something to say then. Maybe you go, okay, what's going on? But that's not the country because I hadn't said in there, Oprah came on in the 80s. You tell me what other country would have put on a fat black lady in the 80s on television. Nobody. Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. So then at the same time, she can be in an all white studio wearing all white with a black dude, all white, like it's some kind of an angelic scene talking about. Tell us about this. this the social, you know, the, the, the discrimination that's going on and the systematic this and the systematic that. I'm like. What? Like this thing is wild and crazy. And now now you start to see they're just selling a product. They're selling the product. But what this product is doing, it is destroying us to the point where people are OK with hurting other Americans because they wear a red MAGA hat. They're hurting other Americans because they have a Trump shirt on. They're shooting men who are standing in front of their businesses trying to protect it. Why? Because their friend owns a business and they don't want it to be destroyed. But then you shot in the heart. By other by other black folks and then watched by their grand grandson on Facebook Live, like that's what they're promoting. I, I I just couldn't I couldn't be a part of it anymore, my friend. I couldn't I couldn't have anything to do with it. I couldn't. It was it really broke my heart. It really did at the end of the day. And I was really happy that PragerU gave gave me an opportunity to express that heartbreak because we as actors and people in this industry we work hard to just be seen. That's really what it is. You work hard to get to get the right agent to then go out enough so that the cast and directors trust you enough. They see you enough to then possibly get in for two lines of like, these pretzels are making me thirsty. And then you get in, you get another chance. To, you know what I mean? You're trying to do this thing so much just to be seen, to show that you have something special to give. 
And now the parameters they put outside ask you to compromise what is right, and true and good in this country. No. What establishes this country? No. There has to be a, there has to be a point. And those are the points for me. And again, I, I'm I'm I think it resonated with people. Uh, on pray you like that video i think for that series was the most watched video of that series um yeah. i think there was a reason because when we started this conversation i'm looking to give people permission to stand up for themselves and i think a lot of times they haven't seen uh, a black man like myself speaking in this way why not because they don't exist but because they're not platformed because that's not who the left puts up and then a lot of times on the right and the freedom side they don't know who to look for all right. So they just kind of go, oh, I'll just kind of trust this thing. There's so many different voices in all different sides that, right. that need to get out there and want to. So I want to say something. OK, um, yeah. my son disagrees with me, uh, my 17 year old, my 15 year old. They think I'm full of it. But um, when I was growing up, um, I'm from the Middle East. I'm from Iran. Right. So I'm officially not white, not black. I'm officially olive. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you, you look at me. It's like I'm. You know, like, right now, are you? Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, from Iran originally, man. I'm a Christian yeah. from Iran, and um, ah, PVD, you know, yeah, baby, yeah, he, yeah, I love that man, I love that man, he's the best, he's the best, yep. yeah, I so, love it. so, um, growing up I, in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid, the coolest people. We're all, we're all the black dudes. They were the coolest yeah. dudes. Like they dressed a certain way. They had their yeah. hair done right. They were fitter. Yeah. They were not as fat as the white kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They yeah. they talked a little jive. Like yeah, yeah. I wanted to hang out with the black guys. I didn't want to hang yeah. out with the white guys. I wanted yeah, to hang yeah. out with the black guys because the white guys were geeks. The black guys were cool. Yeah. Now this we're is cool. a generalization, yeah. but that's how it was. So fast forward to 2023. Okay, and the black guys are still the cool guys when they're not woke ass comtards. They're the cool yeah. guys. They still got style. Like you, you got style. You got your hair going on. You fit. You got the big ass Magic Johnson smile. The black, guys, the black guys who are leftists, they don't even look and talk black. They look and talk like liberal whites, and they're yeah. not cool. They're a little yeah. fat. They're a little overweight. I'm like, what happened to Very you, man? Like, yeah. like sensitive. Yeah. Like, dude, black dudes back then, they weren't sensitive. If you pissed them off, they'd punch you in the damn mouth. You know what I mean? But they, also, watch, but they also knew how to control themselves so that they didn't they did. get hyper. Exactly. No, they did. But, you know, if somebody was like a racist, if somebody like called him the N-word or whatever, they were going to get whacked. That's how yeah. it was. They were going to get whacked. You know, you, you, you needed to like be cool. And today, my God... Oh, you looked at me funny. That must mean you're a racist. What? <laughs> I wasn't like, even looking. What are you talking? Yeah. I wasn't even looking at you. I was looking in your general direction. I'm old. I don't have my glasses on. I can't even <laughs> tell who you are without much of a thing. What are you talking about? So all, all I'm saying is that um, for me, growing up, like I remember my friends from back in the, in in the day. And uh, I was an Iranian guy who'd moved to to Greece and then to Canada. Mm -hmm. And my best friend was a Jamaican dude. Uh, you know what I mean? In school. And he was the mm -hmm. coolest. He was the coolest mofo around, man. He had the hottest girlfriend. He had style. I wanted to hang out with him just so, yeah. you know, because I was a geek. Just so some of that would rub off on me, man. I'd be half as good as he was <laughs> with the girls. <laughs> back in the day. Exactly. You know, 
And that's what they, and, and I think that's also part of what the PragerU video showed is that, you know, they, the left has taken black folks and the black community and they use it as their cover. They use it as their cover in order to implement a lot of the crap that they, they want, right? Because they can, now they can hire out different people who come off cool. Who they know They know what you know. They know what a lot of people saw when they moved here. They know what a lot of people feel just culturally. Like, look, black folks set the cultural standard in many different ways from music to style. You know what I mean? So they know that. Now, if that's the truth, if that just exists here, if one side's the the dragon, if you will, and they go, we're going to take that, the other side isn't, the other side then is missing something in order to fight against what's happening here. And I know, I know it's, you know, truth exists regardless, but again, to go back to my main point of marketing, the marketing is there. And I, one of my, you know, my biggest things that I see is the, is, is the misstep of the, of the Republican freedom movement or whatever, by not having, you got, you got to look for something different. You got to go out. The one thing the left does is they'll go into some random, uh, uh, um, standup show find somebody and go, okay, we're going to make this person the next thing. The right waits till somebody sells enough books and then go, okay, now we're going to break and bring them in. But while that person, right. And why that person, again, I start, I told you guys, you know, I lost my agent manager and my career here. So while I'm trying to build and fight and all this stuff, which is my own, that's on me. And I got to do that. I'm not trying to take it away from that. People have gotten and will get burnt out. These voices, this passionate individual will get burned out. Why? Because they're not they're not being cultivated as well as and as consistently as what the left does. They wait. I always like to point this out. How many uh, who's the number one late night show on television right now? Greg Gutfeld. Great. So we got Greg Gutfeld right now. After that, you have Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, you know, you have who, whoever else is on there. You have Seth, uh, Seth, I forget, Myers. And you have uh, one more other on it, oh, uh, Steve Colbert, right? Yep. So he's the number one, right? He's the number one where more people are watching. He's, I think, more people are watching him than all these four combined, right? That's right. That's right. But look at look at the numbers though. Four to one. Yeah. Why isn't there? Why isn't there four or five more of us existing in the space? You and I can do this podcast and go, yay, we're doing a podcast. But we know Fox News, NBC, NBC, ABC, we know what type of reach they get. And what I've noticed is that conservatives and Republicans go, OK, we have Tucker. Great. We have Gutfeld. Great. No, you should have 20 Gutfelds. You should have 20 Tuckers. Why? Because they have 20 and they have people on, on the bench coming up. How many people on the bench are being cultivated? Not that many. They, they sit there and they pop the one and then they go, that's the way we're going to move. And, we'll, and so from from a, I was like looking at a sports from a sporting standpoint. We don't even have like face masks on our helmets right now. Our cleats are missing its length. Like we don't have all the pads. They got the whole gear, but then we're gonna go. Let's go fight. Like guys, we got to put on all the equipment. We have to also finance all the equipment. It's not just books and talking heads because we can be right all day. But if we don't capture the heart like Jesus did, we're just spitting in the wind. That's very true. And it's funny, when Wayne and I wrote that book, it was difficult to get a lot of hosts to put us on shows. Like yep. Wayne had his own show, which is great. And you know, he's, he's a big he's a big show. And we, we got on a few shows. We should have been on every show. Yep. Tucker should have had us on. You know, Seb Gorka should have had us on. Steve Bannon should have had us on. Everybody should have had us on. 
And the, the truth of the matter is that we've got to start doing more of that. So Patrick, Bet David, what he's doing with value tainment's great. My, my buddy Kayvon, you know, Amazing. he's there. My, my, yeah. my son's name is Kayvon as well. My, ah, my 17 yeah. my, my year is a soccer player. He plays center back and we're nice. working on seeing if we can either get him pro or we're getting him to a, to a school in the U S but cool. he, he, he's awesome, man. He's, he's, he's straight up awesome. If you have any soccer cool. contacts, we're looking for more of those. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right Soccer's right. not my game, but yeah, well, I'll keep mine. Now I know I, I always like to see more things. I'll, I'll, I'll see you. I'll send you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a two minute reel of his. He's, he's a, oh, yeah, he's a total yeah, badass. Yeah, it's real. yeah. So, you know, that's great, but we got to do more of that. And like, um, uh, Roger Simon's a buddy of mine. He he's the founder of PJ Media, right? And right now, he used to be a Hollywood screenwriter. When he came out as conservative, they shut him down. He wants to do Witness by Whitaker Chambers. He wants to turn it into a movie, and oh, wow. we should have we should have somebody with uh, you know, the the means to do it get in mm -hmm. touch with uh with me so i can connect him with roger and say hey guys let's get roger going and let's take witness and turn it into a movie it'd make for riveting tv you know mm -hmm. when you see him in uh the courtroom against alger hiss with richard nixon whoever plays richard nixon's gonna have a great role to play right with nixon richard nixon coming up coming in there and kicking ass with him i think that's gonna be fantastic well, and you know, you know one thing. One thing I like too, and 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 I will, um, I would always push for this a little more. I would even have him think about making this into a series, because one of the things that uh, being in the entertainment industry, I've watched how sitcoms have set the standard for culture in this country. Look at Friends; it was okay to be the dumb guy going after the hot chick, and because the smart guy Ross was made fun of all the time. He was the yeah. smartest guy in the whole group, right? It was great to be the snarky, like uh, everything was sarcastic in my response. And life isn't that great, you know, while you're living in a, 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 a big studio in, in, in Manhattan, right? You look at things like Roseanne. You look at things like All in the Family. Let's go further back. You look at things like, uh, um, uh, oh, man, I want to say uh, Fathers know, Knows Best, right? Father Knows you Best, yeah. How, you see how they can shift the culture based on why a TV series, because a TV series can come into your home weekly. It, people start to connect with the character. One thing about a movie, you go, okay, you got three months to make the movie, two, three months to make it. Then you have two, a month or a half, two months to edit it. If you go that quick, then you put it out. Great. You have buzz for about three months. Then it's gone. But if you have a consistent TV series, we have characters people relate to. They relate to those characters. Now you can put the different points of views in those characters. Somebody goes, I'm like a Ross. I'm like a Rachel. I'm like a, a Joey. I'm like a this. As conservatives, we don't have that. We don't have that, that people on our side, your son, 17, your son, 15, you know, I'm like this person. No, we don't have that cool character people can connect with. We have cool personalities, but personalities then people can only connect with me to a certain extent. They go, man, I want to be like Siaka. But if my character was on the screen, they'd be like, I'm Siaka. But they can't do that when I'm a real person. They can't be Charlie Kirk. They can be like Charlie Kirk from a distance. They can't be Candace. They can be like it. But if those are characters in a, in a TV show consistently coming into their house, then they'll start in, embodying those behaviors. And we need to start investing in those avenues. But things like Babylon B. When I worked with Babylon B on California and moved to Texas. I saw that. That was awesome. That was <laughs> awesome. That was so Thank funny. You. 
we had Joe Rogan retweeted and everything that kind of blew it up to a whole nother level. But what it did, I went to America Fest, which is a, which is a turning point event that's in Arizona. And I was recognized not because I ran for office, not because of the speeches, not because of the raid or anything like that. You know, January 6th, I was recognized because California moved to Texas. People came up to me like, oh, my goodness, Steve, Steve, Steve. Now, 95% of the people that recognized me were between the age of 13 and 24. Wow. So, again, I didn't have a booth. I wasn't standing there. I wanted to talk heads on there with uh, uh, on stage. I was a guy walking around the floor, and those kids grabbed a hold of me and recognized me and got excited because of that, not because of a book I wrote. And again, not because of the speeches I did. It was because I was a character playing a little part in six six-minute sketches that averaged over three million, about one, what, two, two, five to three million per. So it's it's telling me so, the market is. So so you know what? You're connected with these Babylon B dudes. Tell them, look, why don't we do witness in a series of a dozen sketches and make do comedy for witness? Yeah, do comedy for witness, right? So you got a dude who's a big fat dude. You have him play Whitaker Chambers <laughs> was fat. He, right, yep. he was a he was a commie, a bumbling commie who decided to go Christian. So, do you know Whitaker Chambers' story? No, no. Okay, dude. Okay, so you're gonna go to Amazon and you're gonna order Witness by Whitaker Chambers. You're gonna do it as soon as we're off the phone, and you're gonna read this 700 page book, and you're gonna go, "I hate this jackass Nikki for making me read this book because the first 150 <laughs> pages are boring as shit." But once you get past that, you're not going to be able to put it down. Then you're going to say, I love this crazy man, Nikki Baloo, because that's how good that book is. But Whitaker Chambers was a son of a well-to-do family who went communist, who went communist and was trying to overthrow the United States with guys like Alger Hiss. Mm-hmm. He had a, uh, a point where God came to him in his life and he became a Christian. He got married. He became a Christian. And he he. He looked at America and he looked at the communists and he said, I believe the communists are going to win. And he left the side of the communists and he moved over to the side of the patriots saying, I believe the communists are going to win. But because he had become a Christian, he could no longer be with the winning side. And then Alger Hiss um, got caught up in, 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 you know, the, the House uh, uh, Un-American Activities Commission, which has been unfairly mm-hmm. maligned by the left. And by the way, yes. we got to go full Javier Malay on these guys. Not one inch to these leftist shits. Not one inch. Yeah. We yeah. push back. We push harder. They come at us. We come at them 10 times harder. That's how it's got to be. So, so he goes and he says, Alger Hiss is, uh, is a communist and he's an agent of the Soviet Union like I was. And Richard Nixon goes, okay, let's have this. And the trial of the century was with mm-hmm. out with Whitaker Chambers as the witness. Basically, basically they convicted Alger Hiss of perjury, so he didn't lose his job or anything. And then years later, it came out that yes, he was a, a Soviet spy. Yeah. This oh, yeah. book is damn riveting. You're an actor. This is what you do. But go read the book, and then you call me up. I'll work with you, man. Let's call your boys at the Babylon Bee and say. We can put this over. I will reach out to Daily Wire. They're, they're more in the, this space because this story is 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 good for weekly um, for weekly kind of build-up suspense. So that's that's what Daily Wire has been a little more. Um, they've been more of their series, uh, series drama, which is good. We need that. 
And I think going, I, I'll talk to the guys over there. We'll see what's up. But you know, the fact, the fact that those great stories, right. That, that, that red scare, as they call it, I go, man, McCarthy was right. Um, those great stories need to be brought out, need to be brought out. And, and to daily wire's credit, they're doing things like they, they have right now. They were just finishing their first season of the Arturian legend over in Europe uh, they're going to come back, and I know I think next year, the year after, they're doing Atlas Shrug. So they're bringing this that Atlas Shrug. Damn, you got to get witness, and you can you can tell them through me. I'll get you Roger Simon, who's an Academy Award nominated uh, screenwriter, and he knows some of those people. I'm sure they know who Roger is, but Roger can do this, and he wants to do this. It'd be it'd be straight up. And I got I got a buddy of mine who uh, was on. Um, was on Walking Dead. He's a conservative. Oh, yeah. He came out. His name's Elon Sulovitz. Um, good Elon. dude. You uh, you can you know he he'd make a good. He could play Alger or he could play Richard. You know he could play those guys. He he could be either one of those dudes. Slick him up. It, it'd be cool. It'd be cool. No, yeah, and this is and you you pointed out about earlier with um you know platform and being on certain shows. The other side is like and you see it we. We do, but we have to expand it about creating our own celebrity, you know, because a lot what I got from America Fest and those kids coming up to me that told me they're looking for that. They're starving for that thing because they have enough talking heads. They have enough like individual personalities. They don't have characters to relate to. And, and I had. And so it tells me these kids are looking for what well, we did. We did Babylon B live down in Texas last year after all the shows came out. People drove in town from all over the country, two different couples, two different families, drove in to meet myself and Chandler, who plays T- Timpany, at our little at our little uh, photo session we had halfway. They drove in from Canada, brother. They drove Damn. in for Canada for six six minute episodes. From my, from my house, that's amazing. Yeah, because they liked it. They connected again. They tell people willing to travel for this type of stuff, and like I say, we're here. We're entertaining. We need the entertainment because this fight can be really heavy and hard. I saw what it did over there. We need to build out. And we started in part of one of the things we did, we started an organization called Hollywood for Freedom. Hollywood for Freedom, um, it was started with myself, uh, Jennifer and Tatum Shank because Tatum uh, booked a role on a TV show and then was let go after he, he wouldn't get the shot. So we started this organization and it's actually coming up a little promotion coming up on December 4th. Next a week from today, we're having our third annual Mingle and Jingle uh, fundraiser. And we didn't want to just sit there. And the last two we did, we didn't want to sit there and just hold the mic and talk about how things suck and we need to fight. We wanted to go, great. Things suck over there. We're having fun over here. Here's some musical artists you can enjoy. Let's dance. There's some food over there. Go take a picture with a guy who plays Elf, you know, like the, the Will Ferrell's Elf character. Like have fun. Meet each other. We got to start having fun with each other. And so for us, Island for Freedom, we also became a database where it has people, actors, writers, directors, camera and people behind the line and in front of the line are on our database. So right now we can we can uh, we can field a whole production. But it was needed because people were being ostracized for having their views, their freedom of choice. We started this, this organization to help build that out because the high level talent still exists here. You talk to your buddy, there's still great writers and actors and everyone here in Hollywood. Yeah. We just now let's bring in the conservative movement that's moving here with just talking head and, and bridge that gap with talented, conservative, freedom loving artists 
that can actually make your product not look like it's some, you know, 1974 PBS, you know, special. It can actually look as polished as what the other side does. So those are different avenues we're fighting in there to try to go, look, guys, we can be all those dynamic things that Jesus was. We could be that here. So Siaka, you know what? I love what you're saying. And um, I'm, I'm like having a gazillion ideas popping in my head. <laughs> but I want to I want to work with you on some of this stuff, man. This this should yeah. be great. It's not my regular business, but my lady acts over here. Um, and she is, she's, she's one of us. She's amazing. She's gorgeous, blah, 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 blah. And, um, I got contacts. I know Fellum. I know Roger. I know Amanda Milius. Uh, I know a bunch of these dudes. Let's figure it out. And public square is out yeah. right now. So we can go yeah. raise money through public square and through these other guys. Witness could be a great, great thing. Witness is a story that deserves to be told, man. Do you have a script yet? No, but we can do that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. You got to get this, get this, get the script in the Bible. Get that uh, the little treatment down. Once you get that idea down, then it's like and clear. Now you're able to work because. But you see, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah let's ahead. talk about that offline. Let's talk about. Yeah, that we'll be that's, that's a whole different meeting. Yeah, let's, talk about, <laughs> let's let's talk about it offline. But I think witness should be made. There's a ton of other ideas that should be made. You, you, you know, here's the deal. Um, a TV show that should be made is racist to the Democratic Party. Just yeah. like one episode uh, starting in the 1800s all the way to, the, to today, racist to the Democratic Party. Uh, like, and, and just, I'm telling you what, bro, it's going to be that funny be, that's, that's a great. That's a great sketch show right there. Oh, my God. I'm goodness. telling you what, bro. I'm telling you what, bro. It's, it's where it's at. Listen, progressivism is racism. That's what I believe. Progressivism oh, is racism. What it is. It's straight up what it is. They just started hiding it in the 60s with Lyndon Johnson. But before that, all the racists were progressive. The, yep. the biggest racist president America's ever had was Woodrow Wilson, who was also the yep. first president. He, yep. he was a straight-up racist who was open about it. Now they're just hiding it. They're just pretending to love everybody, but they hate everybody. If you disagree with them, their, their vicious racism comes out. Hard. You look at a man like you, a man like Clarence Thomas, the shit they call you people is disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting. Bro, bro I had um, in 2020, the messages I got from your whore mom should have aborted you to do you even know you're African? Um, the different things that were said, it's just like, but I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is, I always go back to the grace of God because God is so good because Amen. I got, before those people said it to me, I got in a sense ostracized by people that supposedly cared about me before. So I went through that pain of those that were supposed to know me and be close to me. So when I was, by the time I got it from people that I don't know, it didn't matter because then, then, it, then it showed me, oh, this is the mind virus because they were saying the same, some of the same things, not to, not as gross as random people, but the people that I knew were saying some of those things were cutting me off as if, you know, I've never been in their life for helpful, helpful in their life. They were moving now with people I've known since before they were born. And that broke my heart. It really did. But the Lord has brought, when I was having dinner with some friends the other night, the Lord has brought really good family people into my life. The people that go, we love you. This is what we're doing. And including my wife, who I met two years ago. And it's like, Damn. 
you'd be surprised. I want to give everyone permission out there to stand for what they know is right, because you will be surprised when you walk out that front door, who you'll meet, how that will build and 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 what type of strong foundation that 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 comes with. It's so much more than where I was before, so much more than the, even being with my manager for six years. There was not even a phone call when she dropped me. It was an email. So it's like it goes to show the level of where they see the relationship. It didn't matter. And now I'm in a place where, yeah, not everyone is moving in the way I even want them to, but that's fine. But those that have come on in this freedom fight, it's like they have been and they've shown so much true uh, love and support and backing that I would count on them more than I count on people I've known since high school, that I've known since junior high, that I've known since like I was a little kid, who are some of them blood. And that's a sad reality, but at the same time, it just shows this great experiment, this is what this great experiment's about. You're an American first. Yeah, your background is Iranian. My background is Liberian, but we're Americans. Now we'll be here and go, hey, you know, when you come down here, of course, and from Canada, get out of get out. Of here. Yeah. <laughs> the, idea, the idea, you know, the American idea is that as soon as you come here and you're a citizen, you then adopt all the good, all the bad and all the good of this country, but more importantly, the good, the ideals, the chance, just like when you became a Christian. It's not like you're a Christian now, you're perfect. No, you have a perfect standard you can live by. And it's progress over perfection is where you're going from. That's That's been my reprieve in all this. That's been one of the beautiful works that has come my, that have come my way. God has brought it into my life. Making a decision to turn away from this secular world. And I, I, the, what's happened to me has been nothing compared to what happened to Jesus. And he told us, look, the, 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 you know, the servant isn't greater than the master. They came at me. They're going to come at you. They did it to me worse. So Amen. at the end of the day, just knowing that the Lord is what's leading the way. I know I've seen it. I've been taken care of. I will continue to be taken care of through the Lord. I have to just keep trusting and doing my best to surrender and obey him. You know, and I, I say for everyone, find your grounding in God because the enemy is evil is going to evil and they're going to push in ways and they already have that will twist you upside down, inside out. And the last thing you want to do is capitulate to them. Even if you're like a parent who has a kid lost to the trans stuff right now, you can't you can't capitulate. You cannot because they want to destroy us all. They hate us all. They do. They do. I hate to say it, but it's true. And oh, yeah. um, uh, Amen. And God bless you, man. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, interview. I really appreciate yeah, you coming on the show. Let's have you on the men's show. We'll talk about some men's stuff. And yeah. Let's do this again. I want to talk to you offline. I'm going to send you my cell number. Um, yes. Let's get connected, bro. You let me know who you need me to connect you to. So look, we end off each show this way. What okay. are your top three bullet point pieces of advice for my listener to take their life for their business to the next level. Now we've talked very honestly today. We didn't get into business tactics, but what you did is you created a brand. You created a powerful Siaka Masakwa brand that is allowing you to be poised for takeoff in so many ways. So think about that and give my, my folks three bullet point pieces of advice and then let's wrap up. There we go. So first thing I would say, trust God, trust God. That's got to be the first and foremost. When you trust God, he, he has your back. Second, he says it in Joshua 1, 9. He said actually Joshua in general, Joshua 1, four different times. But be bold and courageous for the uh, for I have not commanded you. For the, uh, the Lord your God is with you always. 
So if you trust God and be bold, stand for something important, be bold and move with Jesus's grace. Because in this time, it's going to be hard and, and you're going to want to knock a lot of people out. Trust me, you're going to want to throw a lot of bows only in defense, not in offense. But you move with that grace and understanding, you know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood here. So trust God, be bold and move in grace and that you, you'll uh, you'll be surprised how and how God can move in your life and, and all the opportunities that come forward, you know, all these opportunities. So, brother, if people want to get in touch with you, engage with your your content, what's the best way? Best way, you can get me on Instagram at Siaka underscore Massacoa. That's M-A-S-S-A-Q-U-O-I. You can also find me and, and some of the boys I work together with some sketch comedy called WTF What the Fact. You can find us at What the Fact Satire on, on Instagram and What the Fact Satire on YouTube. And of course, you can email me anytime at SiakaMassacoa at Gmail so we can connect. Wow, that's amazing. Folks, Siaka Massacoa is the real deal. He's a legend. He's a man who stood up strong and tall for what's right. And this man has built himself a very powerful brand. And he walked away from a powerful Hollywood career to do what he felt to be right. And I'll tell you, in life, sometimes you're going to have to stand for yeah. what's right. The great Edmund Burke, an Irish-English philosopher, said, the only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to stand by and do nothing. Don't let that be you. Amen. Brother Siaka, an honor to have you here, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Nikki. I appreciate you, brother. Much love. Ditto, my man. Ditto. God bless. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Siaka Masakwa, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, or what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.